our old green station wagon bottomed out repeatedly as we tried to make our way up the snaking road outside of Coloma. The road was steep and the gravel washed out and it felt like we had crossed some some invisible line into the wilderness quite a while back, leaving civilization well behind us. My husband Jesse and I were on our way to Lake Tahoe and had decided to take a detour. We were uh, driving with our daughter Alice, who was still a baby in the back seat, and hoped to visit a friend. After a good deal of careful maneuvering, we finally popped over the last rut, uh, the last deep rut on this old road and rolled to a stop on the ridge high above the American River. We were looking to visit an old friend of ours, Jim, but it was uh, always a bit hit or miss whether we would find him. He didn't have a phone and we hadn't planned far enough in advance to mail him a note, uh, letting him know that we planned to come. So we walked out through the, the sprawling old oak trees and down across the meadow to Jim's little teardrop trailer, and we were delighted to see that the door was open. So we called out to him, and a moment later he popped his head out the door and broke into a grin. We hugged, we introduced Alice to him for the first time, and we were just about to start catching up when he stopped us. Just one second, he said, and he he jumped back through his door. He emerged a moment later with half of an avocado. This was just the best avocado I have had in ages, he explained. He held it out to us. I had the hunch that someone might be by today, and so I saved the other half for you. We laughed, and we shook our heads, and all three of us gratefully ate it. I couldn't quite believe that he had done this. I, I was pretty sure he did not often get visitors. Why did he save this for us? These unlikely, unannounced guests. It didn't make sense to me, but he was ready. And truth be told, it was a really remarkably good avocado. <laughs> It's a rather different scene in that other wilderness out by the River Jordan. They, too, are far from the city, and it's a wonder that people are coming here in droves. The wilderness is risky and unforgiving. It's not somewhere folks go unless they absolutely must. Not in that time. But they are drawn to come and listen to this strange prophet 
They're compelled to ask if there might be another way to live. But it's not the saints we might be tempted to imagine. That's not who is thronging here. These are tax collectors and soldiers, the ones who struck fear into their neighbors with the near constant promise of extortion and abusive demands. Sure, there were good ones among them, but as a group, the tax collectors and the soldiers wreaked havoc on the masses. People trembled when they saw a soldier walking down the road or a tax collector approaching their door. I can imagine the visceral response that rose up in them. Quick, cross the road. Quick, put out the lamp and close the curtain. Keep your distance. These are not the ones you would ask to lead you to God. And it's not just these unsavory characters. This crowd is also filled with plenty of common folk. People who are just a little bit untrusting and prefer to look out for themselves. People maybe like some of you, like me, who keep more than they really need because you just don't know what might happen, or because it's comfortable, and we can. This is the hodgepodge crew who comes to the Jordan. Extortionists and humdrum, normal, tired people. These are the ones seeking reaching in the wilderness. They know that their world is amiss and they come longing for another way. They hear John's call to change their minds. This is the core of his call to repentance. The Greek word here for repentance is metanoia, meta to change and noia to think to change how they think. These people come to change their perspective and turn back towards God. As they hear this invitation, they are overwhelmed. They imagine sweeping change, giving everything up, reorienting all that is in their lives. What's more, they They begin to imagine tackling the way this empire methodically breaks them down or forces them to break others down. But how? How can they give up the comforts of their life? How can they change the whole system? And so these these people holler back to him. Hopeful and pleading and frustrated all at once. What then should we do, John? We hear your call to turn. We've changed our minds. But what then should we do? His response is as straightforward as it is challenging. Go home. 
That is, in essence, what he tells them. Go home. Go back to your lives. Start there. Did you catch that? He doesn't tell the despised tax collectors to stop being tax collectors. And he doesn't tell the terrorizing soldiers to stop being soldiers. And incredibly, he doesn't tell those who have much to, I don't know, to stay in the desert empty-handed. Oh, in some ways, that might have been easier. Instead, John tells them to go back to their lives. He asks them to live righteously there from their place in the world. To keep turning towards God in their homes, in their villages, in their, in their complicated and sometimes tragic jobs. Maybe the sweeping change will come. But first, John asks them to start with their own immediate lives. The tax collector is to go back to knocking on doors. But he is to do so honestly, gathering only what is due and nothing more for himself. The soldier, too, is is to leave his power aside, to stop extorting money from his neighbors, even though he can do so very easily. And everyone else... All these regular people who have more than they need, they are to offer the extra up. They are to see their neighbor, to expect them, and then greet them with generosity. Bear fruit. At your work, at your home, in your streets, this is John's call to them. Friends, it's, it's not just the call of the prophet, but also the pain of the world that, that tugs at me. Some days I wring my hands with the longing that we would make big and lasting change. That we would upend the system and, and midwife real justice in our community that the hungry would be fed consistently, that the brokenhearted would be healed, and that it would all happen right now. And much of the time it doesn't. Not change on that order of magnitude or on that speedy timeline. The basic stuff of life seems to Slow it all down, slow the whole order change, and it frustrates me. It weighs on my heart. But John says that maybe I have it backwards. Go home. This is where we begin. This is where we study and practice and form ourselves to the end of mercy and justice and love. We practice until we're ready to offer love freely right from our doorstep. It's only by beginning there that we can slowly change the whole system. John's new followers were 
as overwhelmed by his call to new life as they were compelled by it. Maybe you are too. What then should we do? Hear the prophet's words again. Go home and bear fruit here. This life of faith doesn't start at that far off time when you've become a a perfect disciple or a, a saint with a capital S. It begins by seeing goodness now, rejoicing in it and offering it up. The work doesn't have to be monumental. We start here and ready ourselves for this love shared one with another. We reach to expect this love, to look for our neighbors, and then make that love real. We practice until such a time as we are ready to step through the door and say, Hi, here is this avocado. It is so good. I saved half of it for you.